Hello and welcome to the Point of Everything podcast. Steve Ryan is the guest today. He's singer and guitarist in Windings, who released their fifth album, Focus on the Past Five, via Out on Limb Records this Friday, November 12th. It's a great album, recorded by girl bands Daniel Fox at Sonic Studios, also responsible for the likes of Silverback's second album coming in January, and mastered by Richard Dowling at WAV Mastering. There's a confidence flowing through focus on the past five. Maybe it's because windings have been going for so long now. They started almost 20 years ago as a solo project, but as Steve says during the chat, this current lineup have made three albums together. From Limerick City, those other members are Liam Marty, Patrick O'Brien, Mike Gavin and Brian Meany. We're listening to The Ground at the moment. You can hear another track off the record, Apocryphal, in full at the end of the conversation. The interview was recorded in person at the University of Limerick on October 1st, so just over a month ago. I did a postgrad there about 10 years previous, so it felt pretty familiar, but as you'll hear, it took me a while to figure out where I was going. Steve has been on the TPOE podcast before, about six years ago, on episode 17, talking about Give a Man a Kick, his other band. I think that interview holds up really well, to be quite honest, so I'd recommend giving that a go if you haven't already. Just search for Give a Man a Kick, TPOE, wherever you listen to your podcast, and it should come up. We reference it a few times in the chat, just so you know. That's why I walk around. 
Okay, focus on the past five. Out on a limb records, Friday, November 12th. This is Steve Ryan, IRL, on the TPOE podcast. We're in UL at the moment. I finally found the building where I'm talking to you in at the moment after wandering around. How are you getting on here? You're carrying a little baby amp with you and your guitar. So I'm guessing that you're doing something music related here. Yeah. So sorry, I never even thought of telling you where the Irish World Academy of Music and Dance oh, was. I apologize for that. I was wandering around and then I was just looking at my phone and I was like, my phone is telling me to go right, but I'm pretty sure it's this way. And eventually I made it over the bridge and then I was like, okay, it's it's definitely this way. I, yeah. I can figure it out. You apologize. know, we, we rely on Google Maps a little too much. And that was just one where you just need to be like, okay, I think it's this way. I'll go this way. We're officially in Clare here, actually. Yeah, Once yeah, I saw that. The river, yeah, yeah. over the river. Yeah, it's not something we boast about, but there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, I have my amp and guitar. So I, I'm a tutor on, on some of the master's programs here and the BA programs as well. About six years ago, I did the master's in community music, uh, which really helped with my work with Music Generation in Limerick City. Uh, but I kind of remained here in some capacity. So I, I do, on Fridays, I do a two-hour songwriting class with the BA students from any of the BA programs. But I also work on the master's in music therapy I do guitar skills as part of the music skills module that they have to do. So it's kind of guitar skills kind of that would be relative to working in a clinical environment or a therapeutic context. So I do some guest lecturing on the Masters in Community Music and I do some guest tutoring on the Masters in Songwriting. And I give electric guitar classes as well. Electric guitar. That's important, not acoustic guitar. (laughs) Somebody else does that really, really well. So Could you have imagined doing this even like a decade ago? Nah, no way. I am privileged to like and I walk around here going this is amazing uh, and I, I don't take it for granted at all like I just had a two-hour songwriting class and we did three groups and three new songs were written and I just got to kind of sit there and listen to these these like talented musicians create songs that didn't exist an hour previously and then they leave and I'm just like this is amazing this is this has become part of my life and part of my job um just to be amongst this musical creativity all the time and it is a privileged place to be without a doubt i imagine it's a relatively new course as well as it um i think this is my fifth year doing it i think oh, um, okay, wow. um yeah I'm, I'm definitely more comfortable doing it now than i was like five years ago so it's an option or an elective so you don't have to do it so so anybody who chooses to do it has has chosen to do it you know they want to give it a go so again that's kind of unique and privileged as well that i'm working with people who do want to be there yeah mm. do, do you feel like imposter syndrome at all kind of yeah Thanks for asking that, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, there's definitely times, yeah, 100%. Because people who are way more talented than me. You know, there are, like, you know, it's shocking. It's a shocking thing to think of, but there are <laughs> people who are way more talented than me. And I meet them regularly, uh, you know, and that's it. I'm just kind of, again, just lucky kind of to experience that kind of level of talent around me. I guess that it must just be nice being around like these younger people who are just so full of energy. I feel like people can get so kind of beaten down by like the music industry or something. But then you've got like these 18 and 19 year olds coming in like hopeful, full of life and just like teach me everything, you know. Yeah, uh, like exactly. And I'm actually in my second year of a PhD as well. And kind of you just give a really good elevator pitch of kind of <laughs> the crux of what my PhD research is about, which is kind of working as a songwriter in kind of a community music context, but my background being like, you know, a working musician, a songwriter, and how do I kind of get my kind of, I don't, I don't my, my kind of, the knowledge I've accumulated over the years, experiential kind of knowledge, how can I now kind of transfer to that to, to other people who want to learn it in kind of a more academic way, but not be like, Ugh. 
I've given everything I got. I hate this. I'm going to throw my guitar in the corner when I get home and not deal with it until Monday. I want to kind of put a framework in place whereas I'm a songwriter and I'm kind of helping other people writing songs and make music. But also because they are doing that, that is helping me kind of realize things that maybe I didn't notice. And I'm seeing other people kind of realize things. I'm going, oh, do you remember that? Or I never thought of it that way actually so the whole thing is re- reciprocated uh, so it's like a, a cycle almost it's what I think does that sound right because I have to like write a whole lot about it <laughs> wow a PhD how daunting <laughs> I know what have I done is that is that just kind of like the natural next step is it something that you're that you're enthusiastic about yeah it is yeah it is I am enthusiastic about it and um, it's, it's great just to say it out loud and I can hear myself stumbling over what what it actually is um you know, I was quite confident of what it was two years ago, and I was changed slightly, but but the kind of meat and potatoes of it is still there, I think, which is kind of this reciprocal cycle of a songwriter teaching songwriting, but also benefiting from teaching songwriting and getting something back. Mm. So the kids come in on their first day of college. Are you just... I don't even know how college works anymore. There's no blackboard, I'm presuming. Whiteboards, imagine. Whiteboards, okay. Some of them are interactive. So, so are you writing, this is how you write a song, and you're telling them exactly... I mean, kind of. I mean without giving away my uh, my methodology. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. Everybody who comes to this particular building are musical anyway because it's the, the World Academy of Dance and Music. So they definitely have a musical background. Again, which, you know, you know, it makes my job a bit easier. So um, some of them will have already written songs and they want to learn more about that process. And some of them are just like, I've never written a song and I want to. So I, ha- I have to kind of get everybody at the same level and then talk about songs and and every week there will be something written something new composed and performed that's really important to me as well i don't want you to give away your secrets but i do want to ask you another couple of questions about it is it kind of like writers who you know they wake up in the morning writers of fiction or whatever and they just like do their pages you know they have to put in the couple of hours work is that how songwriting works as well you've got to work at it every single day to get good at it not in my experience no um a guitar maybe because uh, like or, or an instrument that that would be the way and like if I don't play guitar for a week there's something going on there and I need to check myself because what's going on there's obviously something else distracting me and that's not good because I'm a guitar player and I should be playing it a lot more I want to get better in terms of songwriting my experience is that it happens and then sometimes it doesn't and then sometimes there's like four things happening at once and that's that's fine too you're not going to finish them all and maybe one of them will get finished uh, and maybe that's not finished actually because next year you might decide I want to change that bit. Uh, so like the process of songwriting is a process to me and sometimes, you know, when you commit stuff, when you release an album or make an album, that is like a stamp basically, you know. It's like an hour old tattoo I suppose. It's like that. that's where I am with my songs. That's what they sound like now uh, and cool and it gives you freedom to go, right, that's encapsulated and now we can move on to the next thing knowing that a collection of, of, of whatever we've created amongst us uh, as musicians is there in a hard copy uh, or whatever it is maybe online but it's there as a collection you kind of draw a line under it almost and and move on to the next thing it's what what i do it's what our band does as well so i'm lucky kind of to have met individuals who feel the same same way about that so we're never like searching for the definitive statement you know because if we're getting older every time we release something it's a definitive statement of that particular time so like the 2005 first debut windings album I'm really proud of that, but it's like a strange guy 20, uh, no, almost 20 years ago. It's like, you know, I can relate to him a little bit. I remember him. Yeah. Uh, there's still bits of him there, definitely, that, that think that I feel the same way, but there's a whole lot of me. It's like, <laughs> really? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, okay, and last songwriting, college question. Do, are there particular songs or songwriters that you point to as like, you know, these are the masters? No, because uh, that's just my opinion. And, and like, uh, 
you know, who I think is a master of so many, it's like, no, what? that's nonsense. This person is way better. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> they have like one album. And the person could be like, well, it's perfect to me. Like, that's fair enough. I can't argue with that. You know, it is perfect to them. And that's their, that's, that's their level of, that they wish to get to. I'm like, cool, we'll definitely work with that. But Neil Young is way better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or something like that. You know, I have to leave that stuff at the door because, you know, the music, uh, the, like, the music that kind of influenced me to songwrite when I was younger is older now. And there's been a lot more since then that has influenced me. Uh, but I still go back to kind of, you know, the formative years because I think the formative years as a musician or as a, as a creative are really, really important. And they're always worth revisiting in, in as much as you can, you know, in terms of kind of remembering what inspired you to do this in the first place. Uh, like even if it's another artist or it was something that happened or someone you met, someone you had a chat with, like what was it that, that got you on this road? And you've remained on the road while you're still here, you know, so remember that. I think that's really important to do. So personally, you're kind of going back to, you know, the, the same stuff you would have been listening to at the start windings? Um, no, 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 no. You keep you keep up with like the current, like as much as I can. Yeah. I keep it like if something sounds good to me, it's going I like it, you know, and that, that's the way it is. Uh, but there's so much stuff like there's so much stuff, man. Like, yeah, I mean, over lockdown, it was like. I couldn't keep up with the releases and I was buying everything I could and after a while like it had to, I had to take about six weeks off it's like I can't keep up and I'm buying stuff that I'm not getting a chance to listen to and that, that's not helping anybody actually you know uh, I mean it is when you're paying for something <laughs> it is, it's helping someone but it's not I'm not giving the music a chance then you know uh, so yeah I've kind of drip fed myself a little bit now over the past kind of year or so I always find it weird that like there are some people who don't keep up, you know, who just kind of stop at a certain year and yeah. they're just like, I'm done with new music. Yeah. You know, I've had my fill of the music and I don't need any more in my life. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate it. But I, I can't. I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're a fan of music, I don't understand how you would do that. But it, like you could be a fan of a, an era of music and that's absolutely fine. Mm. But you're keeping up with all of the new music that's coming out of Ireland, but you're also keeping up with like all of the burgeoning younger um musicians in limerick too like you're are you still doing the music generation yeah yeah i still work uh, full-time in music generation i mean and that's like almost eight and a half nine years now and i probably wouldn't be on this path that i'm currently on w with without i definitely wouldn't be actually you know it just made me it forced everybody who kind of got hired from music generation limerick city as artists and musicians to sink or swim and to think of like okay you've been playing music for a while and you're a professional musician tell other people about that <laughs> but not just one time one one day but like all the time and loads of different people from the age of eight up to like 80 tell all those people and then do some music stuff and that's it that was the remit so it really forced everybody to go how do we do like how do we transfer all the stuff we've been doing privately kind of in our bedrooms late at night to like a group of 13 year olds who kind of don't want to be there you know how do we make this interesting as interesting as it is for us that we're still doing it like at our age you know why are we still doing it so like i said there a few minutes ago to kind of go back and think like what inspired me to do this in the first place and to find these kind of these instances and, and these occurrences and, and kind of musical experiences that that were exciting to me and still are and talk about them and use them you were never unexcited you were you were never thinking about like not picking up the guitar or anything like that again over like we talked six years ago and you had just finished up with give a man a kick but uh it sounded like you were still working on the winding stuff like you, yeah. you've never stopped making music or wanting no. to make music or anything no, I don't have a choice in that capacity. I don't think I do anyway. Like, I, I just accepted that. Maybe I don't have a choice. I have to keep making music. And these little parcels arrive to my front door and I have to explain to my wife, this is necessary <laughs> for my job, my career, my studies. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah if a guitar gets boring i'm going to look for something else to distract me so I'm, i got into kind of tiny little synths and stuff like that oh <laughs> um just like that's they, how it starts i, I know i know and it's like a box of all these tiny little <laughs> calculator looking things it's always some music somewhere you know as a musician there's always some music to be found somewhere it doesn't have to be my guitar you know it doesn't have to be usually is <laughs> uh one of the things that we talked about six years ago was that you were talking about the kind of the way that limerick goes through kind of peaks and troughs in terms of you know the live stuff you know sometimes i get a lot of acts in and you know the stuff that's happening around the place how it's kind of hard to ask you just because it's still coming out of lockdown but how do you feel about limerick now considering the fact that you're surrounded by all of these younger people who are making music do you feel like a lot more enthusiastic than maybe you would have been even like the six years ago um it's so easy to be pessimistic like yeah i know that yeah it can be the easier option i mean there's a group of people there's many there's like three or four groups like strong groups of uh younger people younger than me which is most people <laughs> uh younger people in limerick who are keeping it going you know like i was listening to your interview with hey rusty john hearn there and like he, he kind of encapsulated that pretty well and he was like naming out the names and things like that it's like, yeah, I kind of know them, but I don't know them, know them. I know them say hi in the street and, and, and talk to them about gigs. But like, I, I'm older now uh, and, it's, and it's, it's their job to do that, you know, and they've, they've taken on that mental and that's what it is. It's a huge responsibility and maybe you don't know it at the time, but it's a huge responsibility to kind of keep scenes going in an entire city. And that's what these people are doing and it's commendable. Like, I mean, and there, there's like, like, they're all kind of, the cross, kind of cross-germination between all of them is like there's a metal, there's a clear, always has been a clear metal scene in Limerick and the bad reputation guys who do Siege of Limerick stuff and standalone gigs. And then there's kind of the, the it's not burgeoning anymore, it's just the established rapper hip-hop kind of scene in Limerick. And then there's there's everything else. And everything else can be anything. <laughs> you know, It can be guitar bands or it can be spoken word or it can be folk or it can be country, it can be anything else. But yeah, they like they all work with each other and know each other really well and, and will work with each other in collaborative kind of projects, not necessarily songs. Uh, and it just makes me stand back and go this is cool and this is in good hands like you know mm. I, I'm the older guy looking on going you're class well done this is brilliant and thank you yeah that's the thing I guess isn't it as uh, as kind of the elder statesman if you will <laughs> um, I'll take that is, is that you do kind of have to clap them on the back I suppose and show them the kind of the encouragement to keep going that what they are doing is kind of important yeah I mean, I, I guess so. Like, I don't get to go to a fraction of the gigs I want to go to anymore. And I couldn't anyway. There was none on. But now all of them in the world are on yeah. all of a sudden. Uh, and I had to pick and choose which ones I want to go to, even though I want to go to all of them and support everybody because they deserve that. Um, but when I meet someone, I'm, I'm like I'm as sincere as possible. And I hope they take it that way. It's like, thank you, you know, thank you. And, and that's it. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for putting this on. I really, pre- I really appreciate it. And I know loads of other people do too. So yeah, it, it is kind of, you do have to acknowledge that. We, you don't have to, but you should. People should acknowledge that. Is Limerick suffering at all the same things that are happening in, say, Cork and Dublin, a lack of um, practice spaces? Or is is it doing okay, do you know? I don't know. I haven't heard many people complaining about it. I'm kind of out of that loop now, though. I mean, we're lucky enough that Dolan's, like, Dolan's Warehouse have been the most generous people to us for most of our kind of existence as a band, or, or me and bands, but give many cake and windings. They've always helped us out in terms of somewhere to practice and things like that. They saw us stuck. Our videos, our band shoots, like they're just, like, I mean, over half the stuff that we've done probably couldn't have done without the help of Dolan's. So we're lucky in, in that aspect, you know. But I know there are bands starting off who always struggle to find a place, but, you know, you know, there's always the drummer sitting room. 
I mean, that's where we started, you know. <laughs> Drummer's parents were always a bit more understanding because, you know, they, they, they're used to the noise at that stage. So That sounded really condescending and patronising. I didn't mean that, but, like, there, there is, like, a struggle for spaces to play always, always. We do have a lot of places to play in Limerick. We do. Um, as in, like, more, more so probably than other towns, you know. We are kind of lucky, but we don't take that for granted either, you know. Do you think just generally as a city, um, Limerick is doing well? It's kind of it's always kind of sad walking around and you see it's the same as Cork, like, you know, just the amount of empty buildings on yeah. like the main street or on the side streets. But then you find the good places like Steamboat or yeah. something like that. You know, there's yeah, good people doing good things. And all. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, yeah, dereliction is a big issue. Uh, I think the council are trying to take it in hand. Don't seem to be trying very hard, but like you do see some notices going up and someone going, whoever owns this. We're going to be taking it pretty soon, so you better give us a call, kind of a thing. Like everywhere else, there's a problem with housing and stuff like that. But if you're going into the kind of the city, oh, I noticed over the past two years, and even just before lockdown, there's a lot more independent businesses, smaller businesses that are popping up in terms of restaurants and cafes and, and like, and even microbreweries and stuff like that. Uh, and they're still there. Like they went through, they opened just before lockdown, and I went, oh, this is bad timing, <laughs> oh, yeah. and then came back out of it. And everybody kind of supported them throughout ordering stuff online because we wanted to see these smaller businesses flourish. They, they were taking a chance. So it's a lot more independent kind of hospitality kind of uh, businesses that we're setting up. And they're small. And there's enough people to go around to, to kind of visit all of them, you know. Uh, and, and they're kind of opening on a monthly basis. And, and I hope they, they survive and I hope people will support them because it's, it's breathing life back into our city like tiny, tiny business by tiny business. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important. Yeah. So people are still waiting for Marks and Spencer's or something to come. And it's like, that's nonsense, you know, <laughs> cop on. That's not it. That's not the answer. I remember when I was in college here, uh, there was a, a Superquin here. and Super it was Value now. Super va- yeah, there Super Value go. bought it. Superquin went away. But I remember Cork was, you know, the one always after Superquin. I think there was no Superquin in Cork. Anyway. Okay, anyway. okay. I'm sorry about we, that. Look, we could go on about yeah. supermarkets. It doesn't affect you in any way, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed going in there while I was here, you know. Yeah. I heard so much about the Super Quinn sausages. Wow, what an experience. What an experience. But, okay, windings, I suppose. We, talk, we talked about them a little bit on our podcast six years ago, which I was listening to this morning. I think it holds up in case anybody wants to pause and go back to listen to it. You played a gig in the bars a couple of weeks ago. Was that your first proper gig in, like, ages with them? It's all of the guys. With, with the barras or with, with windings? With windings. With windings. It was our second one. We, we had oh, done okay. one the weekend previous, and that was our first one, and that was in Clare Galway Castle. Uh, oh, that was Googie up at Googie, yeah. Googie's uh, big event. That looked yeah, class. It was class. It really was, and it was uh, overwhelming almost, the size of the stage. and the, the, It was not like dipping the toe back in the water. It was like diving straight into the deep end, and it was great. And we were on a bill with like Soda Blonde and Bitch Falcon and Junior Brother and Mary Wallopers. And it was just like, great, just chat to everybody, just shooting the breeze, kind of, ah, we're back, hey, you're back too, wee. And it was really nice. So we had that under our belt by the time we got to Clannacilty. So we were kind of, we were pumped and primed then, which was great. Uh, and it was a hugely enjoyable gig. And it was out the back of the bars, it was quite small, like it was oh, intimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there was a load of people squished in, and it really felt like back to the formative years of playing in a band, really, because just a load of people squished in, you're kind of like right there in front of your face almost. And Five of you up on stage is all. Yeah, and like we're, we're, we're bigger gentlemen, you know, and <laughs> and it was like we were we didn't have room to be jumping around or anything. So it was it was 
I really loved it actually and it was great to be back in the bars again it's always a pleasure to play down there mm. did you miss the live shows over the past 18 months both playing yourself and uh, going to the others we don't have to dwell on lockdown too much I think people are people are finished talking about you it you know what I didn't I didn't so much I had a lot of other things on my mind now again I'm in a privileged kind of position where I, I don't I no longer rely on um, kind of being in a band as my, my livelihood you know I'm lucky enough to have a job in music that isn't just windings so I didn't have to I didn't have that like crushing concern of like where the hell am I going to get my money from my my livelihood has just been ripped away I didn't have that so with that in mind like other things were more important other things took priority than than me having me playing gigs you know uh, but when I was asked to do in live streams and stuff like that I was like I would love to do that <laughs> thank you so much for asking me so we did a couple of live streams and that was brilliant like it was really we were really grateful to be able to do that but in terms of me as a musician, yeah, other things kind of swiftly reprioritize in my life, I think. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so how do you view Windings now? Do you just see it as a kind of a collective creative output between the five of you? Yeah, I think that's the way we see it. Yeah, I would say that. That's wonderfully said, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <Answer> <laughs> my own you say that one more time? I think there was three C's there. I like that. <laughs> collective creative output, yeah. Oh, if, if you just C's. want to keep asking me about them, so I'll, <laughs> I, I, can take the, I, I can take the load here. Uh, so tell me about when you started thinking about maybe getting back together, or did you ever stop thinking about, like, the fifth album? Uh, we had it written, and uh, I was ready to go and record at the start of 2020. We were going to record it, like, in, in May or June, maybe, with Dan Fox. It didn't happen for obvious reasons. So it was written and it was practiced. It was rehearsed. We were ready to go into the studio. So it got delayed a year. That's basically what it was. So as soon as we were able, we, we went back up to Dan Fox with our MISP grant, which we got, which was amazing because we had at the start of 2020 released kind of um, like a tape, a compilation of all these kind of B-sides and non-album tracks, which sold out, which is brilliant. And then we were going to go on tour and generate money till I was recording the album. Of course, like like a million other bands who couldn't do that as well. So the misprint like kind of became apparent. We're like, I wonder, I wonder, having never applied for a grant in our entire lives, going, we can't afford to pay out of our pocket to do this right now. We need to go on tour or we can try this. Uh, and we got it. It's like, thank God. So we were able to record our album in three days with Dan Fox and Sonic Studios. Oh, three days. That had been written. So we needed three days of rehearsal. And then we had three days in, in Stony Better recording it. Three days, yeah. That was one of the things you mentioned um, recording a Give a Man a Kick album up with Tommy um, from Berkeley in Donegal in three days. So a nice yeah. kind of uh, round circle. Kind I've of learned thing. nothing. <laughs> nothing like other than Dan Pox, like, how many days? You can have four or five. No, three. We want three. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. You can get it done. Yes. <laughs> is that just because, like, it's five people trying to get five of you together is just very much harder so. and harder as you're getting older? Yeah, very much so. Everybody has like, uh, you know, families and careers and, and, and other things that need taken care of. So, yeah, we have to plan everything a long, long way in advance and really commit to it. Like, yeah, we're over prepared going into the studio um, and maybe have expectations set a little too high in terms of what we can actually get done in, in three days. But we're always, yeah, we're happy with it. Definitely. Mm. I'm always impressed. Is impressed the right word? About like bands who kind of stay around and make their fifth album because so often nowadays you know you see that it's kind of one album two albums and then bands kind of disappear like is it something that you still enjoy the kind of the creating of the album yeah i kind of live for it uh without <laughs> overstating anything too much but that is like a primary reason of, of doing uh, what, what it is i do whichever that is creating music and being a music maker and windings uh 
Windings allows us, me and us in the band to do that. Um, and we're really grateful that, that we it exists, you know, like it can change and it has and it's kind of malleable over the years in terms of personnel and stuff like that and and maybe people will leave again I don't know and uh, maybe someone else replace them I just don't know I would hope not just for their <laughs> kids are listening because you're good friends not. with them yeah these are like we're a tight knit group you know um, but like it's just it's necessary it's a necessary thing it, and I, we are proud that this is the fifth album uh, and it is kind of a landmark kind of thing can, like you know five albums from the same band and we're all coming from different bands as well, you know, that have released albums elsewhere with other bands and stuff. This, this coming together kind of every now and again to make an album. It's like the Redneck Manifesto. They always impress me. It's like, oh, the lads are back. You want to do a thing. Yeah. You see pictures of them in the studio and like, they're jamming again. I can't wait. And I can't wait. And they always deliver. It's like, oh, class. There's a new Redneck Manifesto album existing. So yeah, I, I kind of, I feel the same way about us really. It's like, yes, we have a new album. <laughs> I'm excited about it. What if people don't like it? don't care as much as I did because we made the album we really want to and you know everything sounds the way it did in our heads it's like yes it's done brilliant next you know see you in five years you know um, that kind of thing can you see the journey over like the almost 20 years of windings like we, we were talking about like your first CDRs that you were <laughs> yeah. that you were recording as windings wasn't it like yeah. it, was, it was just you at the start wasn't it yeah it was just me uh, and then Liam and then other people kind of came and went and now there's been five of us this is the kind of like third album with this lineup I think so um, I do I remember those days fondly because I still play some of those songs I do solo sets every now and again uh, I, like my first gig back like fully uh, was supporting Marty from Anna's Anchor and he's kind of farewell gig in Milk Market so he asked me would I like to support and I was like yes I would I would, Thank <laughs> you very much. I would love that very much I uh, get to play and it was a solo show and I I like I played a song from each of the Windings album and as I introduced them going, this is really old. <laughs> like I wrote this when I was way younger uh, and it's like an artifact from the past, but I still like the song a lot, so I'm going to play it. And as I was going through each album, I was like, ah, this is great. I mean, I've never really thought of it like this. Like I have like a catalogue of songs I've written that I can pick from to play and I don't have to just play stuff from a new album or anything. I actually have like a body of work, you know, and I never... Never would have thought that, like, look forward going, I'm going to have this many albums made at this kind of time of my life or anything like that. So, yeah, so I'm really grateful. I say grateful a lot, but I, I am, like, eternally grateful to everybody who kind of I work with to, to kind of allow this to happen, you know. I think Villagers is quite good at kind of picking the songs from the past that he wants to keep performing live and he kind of gives them a new lease of life as well. Is that kind of what you were thinking with those old songs? It's almost like reclaiming them and like yeah. reimagining them 20 years on. Yeah, like my voice is different now than it was kind of 20 years ago. I can't sing it the same way. So I'm not going to try it. That would be... Not going to shout. Yeah, I'm going to shout. Shouting. Yeah, the, the shouting's fine. I can still do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Always shout. But I'm talking like I had a more, I had a younger man's voice. <laughs> Simply, I've been ravaged by time. <laughs> and <laughs> it'll happen to you too. <laughs> Watch out, kids. Uh, maybe all the shouting. That could have been what it was. So, yeah, I'm going to sing it differently. Uh, and to be honest, um, the songs are older and they mean something different to me now. The time they were written, my life was a certain way. Now I'm performing them 20 years later. My life is not like that anymore. And even what the song's about has shifted context and things like that. Uh, and that's interesting for me. So I will perform it and, and do it like the most justice I can, you know, but it's not going to be exactly the same as the recorded version from 2005. And I hope people are okay with that. Like, I, like I, I don't enjoy kind of identical to recording performances. That's not why I go see a live band. I don't go and see a live band to hear the album played exactly the same tempo and key with every nuance intact. That's not why. Uh, I want to see a live performance. 
like warts and all, you know, depending on the genre and, and style of music. But it, it needs to be different for me, uh, not just like what I just listened to in the car on the way there. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so that that element of live performance is important to me. So yeah, I like that Connor does that um, from Villagers that he's constantly kind of going with his songs and he's following them as opposed to kind of deciding how they're going to go as far as I can tell. I like that. Yeah, it's it's almost weird listening back to the early Villagers albums because the versions that I hear live now aren't the same as the recorded versions yeah. and it's just like, it almost feels like the recorded version isn't the proper version. It's it's know? a snapshot in time. Yeah. You know, that's what it is, like an oral tattoo, like I was saying, I think. Yeah. Um, so how do you guys work together? I mean, has that changed over the course of the three albums now? How What what were you thinking or talking about when you came together for, for this album? Um from the moment that the previous album Be Honest and Fear Not was released and toured we were already working on the next one uh, aware that we only have like maybe two hours a week most weeks not every week to kind of rehearse so like we, we don't get together for long periods of time we have this like really small amount of time because you said like there's five people trying to get together um, so it, it benefits us to start working like way in advance which is why there's kind of three or four years between albums you know <laughs> yeah. that's the reason uh, so we were already working on new stuff, and a lot of it, a lot of it didn't make the album. There's a lot of stuff hanging around there that didn't go on there. But the ten songs that are on there, like we're, we're really proud of them, and they kind of took shape from people. You know, the amount of voice memos bands have on their phone just from practice and listen to it on my own, going, "That's not it. That's not it." <laughs> okay, everybody, uh, at thirty seconds, you can hear me doing that. Ignore that. Ignore that. And you need to do this. And and everybody sending voice messages to each other, and it's really exciting. It was like three or four years of that, you know, just whittling their songs away. And then we'd come back the next week and we'd play it the way we actually intended to the week previously and make sure you make a record of that. And again, it's a whole process and it's hugely enjoyable and it's as enjoyable as releasing the album. The whole process of writing songs with these four other people who maybe like when they first joined the band was like, OK, Steve is the songwriter because you know, Steve is windings. And that's not the case anymore. I don't feel that way. And I did feel like that way for a little while, maybe. <laughs> but I don't anymore. It's like, OK, what you got? Bring it. And like even... Uh, Pa has two songs that he wrote on this album as well, uh, which did, seemed like he should sing them because they're his songs. And like, I want to play guitar, actually. I want to play the best guitar I can on your song, Pa. Is that okay? You sing it because it's your song. There's no point in me singing it, really, because you wrote it and you sing it better than me. So the rest of the band are like, okay, let's make this song the best we can for Windings and, uh, and Pa's singing it. Oh, right. I didn't, I didn't realize. There you go. I need to pay. I, I've only listened to it a couple of times. That's, that's okay. my reasoning uh, that I didn't spot that. I have to ask you about that time that you pointed out where you thought that Windings was you. When, when was that? Was that kind of... It's uh, when it was me. <laughs> yeah. Was that just, it's your baby and... Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. So I released a solo album, you know, that, that was how Windings started. Um, Windings actually started kind of like me playing solo and then kind of two roads diverged into a wood and Keith turned up at a Windings gig going, I want to play drums with these songs. I was like, cool, let's do it. And then they went off down there and became Give Man a Kick. And then Windings kind of kept going, so like, oh, stay quietly over here um, and release quieter things by myself that I record at home. The first album was like that. The second album I had, we had Aaron on drums and, and Liam was on bass um, and they played for the songs. That's what they did. Uh, I had a really kind of clear idea of what I wanted and, and they did that and then kind of made it their own a little bit but it was still me. And then third album, then that changed. Uh, the arrival of other people and a change of personnel. Everybody was inputting what they thought would be the best for the song, which wasn't necessarily what I had thought or intended myself, which made it way more exciting and, and, and a more valuable kind of process as well, I think. So 
so that, yeah, so it's not my baby anymore. Uh, but it still very much is, but it's all of our baby. You know? <laughs> it's all of our babies. It's all of our baby. <laughs> Communal baby. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, you hear about bands who have rules or, you know, they dress a certain way or something. And it just seems like it's an extra stress on the band. And once you kind of let all of your preconceptions go, you're going to have more fun, I'm guessing. I'm guessing that it's more fun now than it was at that period, maybe. Um, it's it's always been fun. It's always been fun. Um, I can say that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's always been fun. <laughs> Those guys else. weren't having fun. <laughs> I don't know why they were crying. Um, like, I don't know. Everybody approaches it differently. You know, some some people start with a visual aesthetic and they kind of capitalize on that and go with that. And that's that's really interesting to me as well, you know, because you have a marriage of kind of the, the the visual and the kind of oral as well. And that's like, I love bands like that. I really do. But it's just not us like um, because we'd be, we, we look a bit silly. We look a bit silly and we don't care for it, I think. For us, you know, for us as a band. Did the lyrics? We wear check shirts and have beards and stuff, you know, <laughs> like for most of our lives now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't change. <laughs> um, did the lyrics change over the course of lockdown? I was reading in the in the press release. It says that the the lyrics might have changed a little bit. Yeah, they changed a lot. Yeah. So, like as I said, the, the, the album. Like was, you, you thought the album was finished. Yeah, it was. It was. It was ready to record, um, and it would have been recorded if lockdown hadn't happened. And I had gone back to the lyrics and go, well, that's not relevant. I don't think that anymore. Um, Is is that like a head wreck, though, that you think something is finished and you can move on, but actually you have to go back and almost... Is it ripping it up again or...? No. I mean, it it was a bit of work, yeah, because I I would sing things a certain way with certain cadences and and certain kind of, you know, like uh, accents on particular syllables and all this. But but the words weren't right. I didn't feel that way about things. And, and even though it was, as I said, an hour tattoo kind of thing, I didn't want that to be tattoo. I would have to get it lasered off. <laughs> so I said, no, okay, this this has not gone down yet. And that's not right what I'm saying. Um, so I changed like three or four songs. And one I just rewrote completely lyrically. The music remained intact. And the first song, is that you singing? Is that your song? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ju- just because I want to know, what, what two are pads? They're right beside each other. So one is called Breathe In and the other one is called uh, Portals. They're they're kind of um, I don't know. They sound like I know what Paz songs sound like. Actually, <laughs> so they sound like Paz songs. How about that? Um, well, he's singing in them, and they're kind of um, they're they've got more of a jangle to them. I think maybe. Um, the the first song on the album feels very different to Windings. I think very much telling a story on that track. Yeah, yeah. That's called Black Widow. So that yeah, that's a straight narrative. Like that is um, just like kind of directly inspired by a. This book by Kevin Barry, which was Their Little Kingdoms, was that the first collection of short stories? Mm. I think the first story in that was Atlantic City, and it's about this kind of, um, it's a group of young people living in this town, and that's it, that's the story. Uh, and at the end then, I don't want to give it away, but it's, it's a really good story. And, so it's uh, not based on personal... No, it is. It's, 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 it's exactly what I remember, right. like these half-remembered kind of things from when you're younger, almost like pre-teens, almost like, you know, about 12, 13, 14 years of age. I was growing up in, in a suburb and here's what we did and here's also what happened uh, so there's all these nice nostalgic thoughts but also you know this really these really dark things happened as well and I, I thought long and hard about that final verse I think you're referring to maybe and like I was like I don't know if I can say this you know because th- this is just my memory of something that happened and I worked really hard on, on taking out any unnecessary words or anything that would kind of make people think a certain way so the rest of the song was like, here are things we did and this happened at the end. Um, and and I, was, I, was, I was concerned about people who I grew up with maybe hearing that song and what would they think because they, they would know exactly what I was talking about and maybe they wouldn't feel comfortable me saying that or singing that in a song. Um, 
I worried about that a lot actually before, but, but you know, I, I, I kind of asked some people and they were like, like, do it, why, you know, this, this is what it is, so it's your song. Um, it's, it's a long song as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. It's a good way to start an album, nice long song. I mean, that was, uh, I don't know if we made the right choice there, but uh, uh, from the get-go, it was like, this is the first song. Yeah. <laughs> and are you sure? It's like, yes, seven and a half minutes. I mean, why break the habit of a lifetime? But, but I was listening to it in the car on the way here, and it's just kind of a very uh, <laughs> samey guitar line. It's kind of like the same. Oh, it doesn't change. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you just kind of get drawn into the lyrics. And then by the end, I was like open mouth just listening to it. I was like, fucking hell. Okay. <laughs> it's it's uh, heavy. It's a, yeah, it's it's a heavy. heavy way to start an album. Yeah, it's a bit of a gut punch. Um, and again, I couldn't think of anywhere else for it to go on the album. I didn't want it to be the last song. Right. Um, does the, so does this feel separate to everything else that you've done almost? So like the, the song? Yeah. No, the song, I, I the songwriting. this much thought into every song this time around. We've had a lot more time to dwell in the lyrics. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And again, probably like what I'm currently studying and researching is feeding a lot into this as well. Um, in a good way, I hope, you know. I'm just, th- I've really been thinking about lyrics a lot more uh, and what it is I want to say. Uh, I've always wanted to say stuff musically. So now I want to, I want to concentrate more on saying stuff musically as much as you always have been, but now maybe a bit more pointed with the lyrics. Are you trying new things on this album as well? Uh, I think it's Busy Mind is yeah. a kind of a, almost a different vocal for you, I was thinking. I think so, yeah. I think I, th- I thought so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, that that's just my, you know, after a couple of listens, my thought, my what I wrote down. Yeah, maybe. That is a different song, though. Yeah, that's a different song to what we previously would have released. But it just came kind of naturally, that song. It was actually Liam and Brian just did a bass and drums thing for about three practices in a row. And we're like, okay, do you want, is it, do you need our attention? <laughs> so myself and Mike just, and, and, and Pat came up with these kind of things. I was like, this sounds like this, like a chant of, of some sort. And it came together really organically like that, actually. Oh, I just said organically. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, jeez. Is that what that is? Anyway, it came together naturally enough, just like that. <laughs> and then the song was written. I was like, oh, that's cool. Okay, next one. Um, try not to think about it too much I do think it's funny like when people say organically I can see them squirming in their seats but it's just it's like that it's like that magic in the studio or something that's so hard to quantify I'm guessing is it yeah it's hard to kind of articulate what that is it just it just happened um, in a organically nat- yeah <laughs> I cannot say it um, I love that song yeah really yeah like yeah it's song. great it's yeah. great um, so so lyrically across the rest of the album like what do you, does it get as dark as that first song or is that kind of I mean, like, there's no hiding behind metaphor in that song. There is no metaphor at all. It's a narrative where mm. I'm, I'm just telling a story and recounting things that I remember or half remember. It's a long time ago, you know, so I'm kind of half remembering this stuff. And, and that's why the there's a repetitive guitar progression, because I, I do want people to not be distracted by the music and listen to what I'm saying, because I'm, I'm saying some stuff. The rest of uh, the, the songs, lyrically, I, I paid, you know, like Busy Mind only has like kind of six lines, you know, that I, that I repeat because six lines I was finished I had everything said in those six lines and to add more lines to it it's like that was superfluous the, the song is done now and I had said exactly what I wanted to say in it in that many lines so even apocryphal and adapter and stuff like that those are directly what I was thinking at the time of writing and I, I wasn't really concerned too much with metaphor and stuff I'm speaking directly to me I think so I'm singing these songs to me in a way um which is like some bizarre therapy or something. I don't know what it is. Uh, but, you know, it helps me. Uh, and, and I know the the guys were paying attention to lyrics as well. So 
if anything seemed weird, they're like, what are you saying there? And I tell them, they're like, okay, as you were, <laughs> kind of a thing. So that really helped to know that they were listening to that as it was going along as well. Did you write a lot in metaphor before? Yeah. And kind of almost hiding the personal yeah. experience, really? Yeah, yeah. Again, that's kind of like villagers, you know, like the becoming a jackal and then he kind of becomes the jackal. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly that kind of thing. Um, yeah, totally. I didn't really want people to hear what I said for many years, which is why I started shouting with Give Men a Kick. It's like the first album is so different to the second album with Give Men a Kick. The first one I'm screaming because I had never sang publicly or, or written lyrics that I wanted people to hear. So I screamed them so people hopefully would not hear what I was saying. Whereas the second album, I was a bit more confident. I was like, do you know what? I like what I'm writing here. I'm going to maybe be, a, I'm going to kind of uh, say things a bit more clearly while shouting very loudly <laughs> at the same time. Uh, so yeah, like I, I really, I spend time with my lyrics and I don't mind people hearing them. They're a big part of the songs. Do you think so, like when you're writing in metaphor, it's almost like you don't want to show yourself fully and like, do, like do you a, think it's kind of a, a young man sort of thing? that they no, I don't know. Like, a, like it's almost like self-care almost kind of a thing. You know, I don't, don't want to give too much away here in terms of what I'm saying. And to be honest, I don't know if somebody listening to this wants to hear it. And, and this is actually a more poetic way of saying things. And and I'm a writer, actually, you know, and there's that kind of thing as well. And that's absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. Uh, and there's a time and a place. I just chose not to this time, I suppose. And maybe next album, I'll be like, yeah, Stephen Ryan, the poet, one more time. <laughs> I don't know if that guy ever existed. But uh, yeah, so hiding, like not hiding, sorry, hiding is like it has negative connotations. But using these kind of literary kind of tools and stuff like that in, in songwriting, I mean, absolutely. Like, why not? It's just, but there are so many available. I don't want to stick to one, I suppose. And you're working with Dan Fox. Is that the first time that you've made music with him? We recorded Busy Mind and um, the the closing song, This Is Fine, with him um, at the end of 2019 because we wanted to see what he was like and we kind of wanted to record the album with him. But we just did these two songs to test it, uh, you know, heading back a few months later to finish it, which didn't happen for another year and a half. Um, so that was our first time working with him. And, and we'd heard stuff he, he'd done, you know, like um, like it had a kind of a stamp to it that wasn't like anybody else so it sounded like he had a certain style of recording almost that I really liked and the rest of us liked and it really suited us and his way of working I mean we, we work a certain way because we've been working a certain way for such a long time uh, and it, it kind of is important to us that we find the right person to capture that because like we're weird you know like we do things weirdly and you know just all manners of friendly abuse <laughs> and and Daniel was okay with that uh, and he, he was okay with the way we worked which is go in the room and play the songs a bunch of times until they're right next one he was like I don't really usually work like this so it, this is cool this is cool it's a whole new thing for me like great and he captured exactly the way we wanted it to be heard so how collaborative is that experience like is, is it kind of talking with him a lot no um, it's, it's a trust kind of thing I think so when, when we did the first two songs with him and then drove home to Limerick and then like the week after he sent us the mixes we're like oh, he gets this that's exactly the way we've been hearing this uh, you know collectively so it's like grand yeah so I trust he's here that's it uh, and we went back up and he did the same with the rest of the album yeah. um, it's like nice one this is brilliant to find someone like that you know and we're lucky anybody we've worked with kind of thus far has been like that you know um, yeah he was great to work with I'd love to work with him again Definitely. And I'm guessing like big fans of girl band, everybody. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Are they making new any any? I wouldn't be at liberty to say. And okay. also, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully they will. They've been playing live shows as well. So hopefully. Yeah, they have been, haven't they? That's usually a kind of. Uh, are you excited to release the album, get it out in the world? I am. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, the gestation period has been kind of longer than usual. So I'm really happy with the way it's turned out. So we are definitely happy for people to finally hear it. And we hope that people want to as well, you know. Um, we've been around a while, so it's not exactly like, you know, new kids on the block and everything. Uh, and uh, like in our minds, we feel it's different to previous releases. So we would like people to hear it and not kind of think, oh, yeah, I know what they do. I mean, there's still going to be, you know, me singing and some guitars and keyboards. <laughs> there's that, like, you know, but but yeah, I feel we, we've kind of taken a, a few turns in terms of our songwriting and things like that. So and, and the way we're playing things a bit differently. I do, I do think it's confident, like, you know, maybe it's just the fact it's fifth ba- fifth album. You know, there is a, a confidence there and the fact you're doing something different on the first album. I think there's it's new, it's familiar, but it still sounds really great. Uh, that's cool. Thank you very much. New and familiar. Is, I like that. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's kind of what we were hoping. Yeah. Um, OK, so if we're talking again in six years time on the podcast, who knows if the podcast will, will be going by then. But I think it's about 200 episodes since we last talked. Uh, uh, wow, congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, just, it just keeps on going. Um, like what other stuff are you working on? Like, is it just all college, all PhD now? Um, I guess so. Like with with music generation, that that work is is ongoing. So we've been uh, we're kind of going in new creative directions in terms of we used to visit national schools and you know talk about music and songwriting and write write songs with classes. And that's not really that's not back yet. We can't we can't just roam from school to school, class to class. That's not kosher just yet. Uh, and so we're we're making videos. We've been making short videos all through lockdown to send into schools, representing the tutors they used to work with. And we're there and we're kind of. We're getting our boss is getting really really creative with these videos in terms of how far he can push us to be creative in a musical capacity and it's daunting it, like it really is but again I'm, I'm enjoying it and i'm enjoying kind of being pushed out of my comfort zone to do this kind of stuff yeah, musically uh which you know the, the purpose of kind of music education you know it's all it's all music so that's taken up a lot of my kind of time so we have to write songs for that and we have to kind of come up with ways in and and it's, it's great and you get to play music kind of on a weekly basis with, with a bunch of really talented musicians I was kind of I'm still working with, with Patrick on King Palace and he's got some new stuff that he's going to be recording soon um, so I'm looking forward to that I, I was playing recently with a friend of mine called Neve O'Brien and she's a, a harpist and singer uh, so we played a gig opening for John Spillane that was my first gig back actually in the Gap of Ogunolo in a car park of a church uh, opening for John Spillane and it was amazing uh, so I, I'm I'm doing guitar duties a bit more than I uh, normally would have I suppose I'm enjoying that a lot John Spillane is a bit of a songwriting master isn't he? Yeah absolutely um, and I don't want to say he's underappreciated because he definitely is appreciated by people who know him but like maybe critically he's yeah, underappreciated yeah he definitely needs more props I mean he gets all the props and he should he needs more though he needs to be elevated a bit more he is a songwriting master without a doubt and I have a lot of time for him as he's a gentleman like he really is Okay, um, I, don't, I don't think I have any more questions, so maybe we'll just leave it on that positive note that John Salad is a great songwriter. There, and a gentleman. And a gentleman. Uh, listen, best of luck with uh, the new Windings album. Congratulations again, and hopefully talk to you and see you live again soon. Thank you, Owen. I appreciate this. Thank you very much.